literally when a kid was in crisis, they could send a text. And on the other end, someone was there, a crisis support person. So these two life events, what they, what they did, I was like, oh my God, I didn't create my text messaging company to save lives. We were sending out billions of messages for President Obama, Prime Minister Modi, Salesforce, et cetera. But I saw this little nonprofit use technology, my platform to save lives. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this episode, I speak with James Citron, the CEO and the founder of Pledge. Pledge's mission is to partner with mission-driven companies and nonprofits and individuals to unlock billions in funding for nonprofits around the world. He realized that the system had so much friction in, and he made it his mission to address that. And to date, the company has been able to fund clean water for a million people. Uh, they've planted over a million trees. They've created, delivered over a billion meals to children around the world. So this is a company with real impact. And in the conversation, I, I speak with James around his previous corporate career and the moment where he went all in on Tech for Good, when he decided that he could have a purpose as well as a business. We look at the roadmap he used to build the business. What was the first thing he did when he decided to go all in? And we get some very practical, tactical tips as well on hiring uh, and also on purpose, how that plays out in that whole process. And then looking forward, we tap into James's entrepreneurial instincts as he explains how he's going to tap into a 10 billion opportunity to do good in the world. It's a great conversation. Enjoy it. James Citron, CEO of Pledge. James, what I know about you is that you're on a mission to create a billion dollars in charitable donations. Uh, you've already raised fundraising um, for a billion meals and uh, provided clean water uh, uh, for a million people. Uh, and yet 10 years ago, you were right in the middle of the mobile messaging and engagement industry. I believe you built three text messaging businesses at scale. So how did you get from one to the other? What was that journey? Because it sounds like, you know, you're on a real mission that's really quite different from where you were just a few years ago. Yep. Uh, well, thank you, Richard. I'm, it's an honor to be here and I'm happy to share what seems like a very non-linear path to a world focused on impact. So a little less than 10 years ago, I had these two crazy life events, which I'm sure many of your listeners have had have one of these two events. So I became a father and my wife and I had our first child and I took paternity before paternity was a thing. And I told my private equity um, investors and board, I said, look, I'm going to take a month off. They're like, are you, are you kidding me? And I said, yes, a very non-American thing to do eight years ago. I didn't think that was allowed in the States, but that's great. And 
<laughs> I don't think, yeah, I still, I'm, you know, still most companies are struggling with this in America, unfortunately, because it's a critical thing. And I know across the pond where you are, this is, this is the norm. So I started thinking, you know, looking at my, my beautiful young boy, a lot about my legacy and what was the impact that I wanted to have on the world. And you, you know, you just, there's this chemical reaction that changes. I think when you become a parent and you just look at these little angelic babies, and so as I was starting to think about what is my legacy, and I've been grateful and privileged to build some big, pretty big tech companies, this little tiny nonprofit reached out to me. And I was checking email, of course, you know, periodically in those late hours and whatnot. And this nonprofit said, James, do you know what happens when someone texts, texts 911 from your cell phone? They said, I literally need the most safe, reliable text messaging platform in the world to save lives. And I'm like, why? And the story was there was a young girl who was being abused and she texted 911 from her cell phone. Because if you're a young kid anywhere in the world these days, your first language is text. That's what you do. And this nonprofit leader by the name of Nancy Lublin heard the story and no one knows what happened to this girl. And she said, I have to solve this. I'm like, well, Nancy, we're the platform. She reached out to myself and the CEO of Twilio. She chose our platform. And I literally saw, I came back from paternity. She launched the platform and it started out, we were sending, by the way, my company was sending billions, passing billions and billions of text messages. But I saw this little nonprofit, which is now very well, very well known called Crisis Text Line, literally start saving lives with text messaging. Literally, when a kid was in crisis, they could send a text. And on the other end, someone was there, a crisis support person. So these two life events, what they, what they did, I was like, oh my God, I didn't create my text messaging company to save lives. We were sending out billions of messages for President Obama, Prime Minister Modi, Salesforce, et cetera. But I saw this little nonprofit use technology, my platform to save lives. And I said to myself, this mobile messaging thing is great. But my legacy cannot be creating, helping to create ADD on cell phones and screen addiction. My legacy, I love building tech companies. How do I go the next chapter of my life and build tech for good? Just kind of jump in there. I think it's really interesting um, because there is that moment, right, where I think, I didn't love execs in tech actually have this. They kind of go, you know what? Okay, well paid, it's interesting, it's fun. I hear a part of them which is like, yeah, but it's like delivering ads or something else, which is not amazing, but it pays the bills and it's fun and interesting. And I think there's a moment which we can look for or we can not look for, whatever, but there can be this moment where we we become, you know, we ignite, you know, or we become on fire. And like, actually, there's something which is more important. I had it myself when I was at Cisco. Um, Cisco is a great company. I was enjoying my role does good things, right? It's, I mean, it's not doing bad things, it's doing good things. But I got to a stage where I've said it many times in the podcast, I think that I didn't want, I realized I didn't want my legacy just to be helping increase the profit margin of AT&T by 0.1%, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I love helping my clients with financials, but that wasn't the legacy. That wasn't the story that I wanted to tell my grandchildren in the future. It sounds like you had a similar moment when, you know what, it was like, ah, there's something else. You're exactly right. And once once you find that, you just you can't sleep. That is the most important thing. So for me, 
I had that exact same realization. And then it was, okay, I got to do my job, which was ultimately growing and selling that company. And next it was, what technology platform can I build for good? Um, whose sole purpose, it's not by happenstance or luck or whatever, whose sole purpose is going to save lives, uplift communities, and do good for the world. And that's what led me to Pledge. Great. So let's kind of fast forward. Um, so where are you now? Tell us a bit about what Pledge is and just kind of what, you know, where, where the story's gone to so far. So Pledge is the world's most innovative and trusted charitable donation platform. So now, several years in, we actually can enable anyone, any company, any nonprofit to fundraise. We have 2.2 million nonprofits around the world in the database. Last year alone, we processed donations in about 125 countries. About four to 4,500 companies using the platform today. And we have a bunch of big strategic partnerships where we partner with really incredible mission-aligned companies. So I'll give you some examples like Zoom. During the pandemic, when we were all, con the only way we would connect was through Zoom. We reached out to Zoom and we said, Zoom, you're connecting the world, but you do not have a donate button. I said, that's a great idea. So we partner with them to bring a donate button and enable anyone to fundraise, churches, schools, you know, companies to Zoom. So we have thousands of companies and some of the impact that we've achieved, I know you mentioned it, but over a billion meals, a million people provided clean drinking water, millions of trees planted. But we still feel like we're just scratching the surface of of getting started or the impact that we want to achieve. Yeah, that's amazing. And so tell us about actually how Pledge came, uh, where did the idea come from or yeah, how did that evolve? Yeah. So I got a phone call shortly after I sold sold my text messaging company. And I was trying, I, I was talking to everyone. I was talking to venture capitalists. I was talking to friends in the industry. And I'm like, I want to go build a tech for a good company. And I got a phone call from my now partner, who's the chairman of our board. And he said, do you know that hundreds of billions of dollars is raised for charity every year in the US? When he told me the number, you know, now over $500 billion goes to gets donated to charity in the US alone. It's twice the size of the US advertising industry. And yet, when you want to donate in an instant, it's complicated. You can't use Apple Pay or Google Pay. It's full of friction. You don't even know how much of your donation goes to charity. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And so when Matt called me, I said, this is an incredible problem that I want to go see if we can build a better and easier way for people to give and really raise more money because ultimately the nonprofits are you know, they are the ones who are on the front lines of solving some of the biggest issues in the world. But the one thing that they need is more capital. So I said, that's a great problem to go solve. Beautiful. And so how did you get, how did you start? That's the problem I want to solve. Where did you begin, right? Because, you know, in a short space, by the time you've brought on some pretty heavyweight brands and names and uh, made a lot of things happen. But where did you start when it was just you and this idea? <laughs> well, first I reached out to two of my favorite colleagues have put some job postings out there. And um, one of my best developers that I've ever had the privilege of working with, we've now built and sold three companies. He said, I would love to join and be your CTO. His name's Paul. He's incredible. 
my head of finance, who's been my head of finance and business affairs for years across three companies. He's like, I love this mission. I will join you. So first it was about, I got to build a great team. At the beginning of every single company, it starts with an idea and a team. And as you know, Richard, sometimes the ideas change, but it's the team that's great, you know, listens to customers, figures it out that can build the right product. So I started with the team. And the first big partnership that we did that I think proved the model was with the Evite. Evite is this incredible invitation platform. It's the largest online invitation platform. Are you familiar with that, Richard? Uh, I don't think I am, no. I'm going to plead ignorance. That's totally fine. They're um, primarily a US brand, but they send out millions. If you're planning a birthday party in the US and you have children, my kids, I've got two kids, a five and an eight-year-old. I get an Evite like every week to a kid's birthday party. It's kind of the thing. So we were talking to their CEO because he noticed something really fascinating that was happening. So many parents were saying, please come to my kid's birthday party, but please do not bring any more gifts. We do not want to invite 30 kids from the class and get 30 more presents, right? There's just too, too much. It creates a culture of excess and there's all these things. So this behavior was starting to happen. So we we're talking to Evite. Evite said, is there a way to make it really easy to say, you know what, when you're planning that invitation, a parent can go, you know what, my son's really into the local animal shelter. Please don't give us gifts. Please donate to the local animal shelter or our church or our elementary school or any of the nonprofits. So that was the first launch for Pledge. And it took off like that. So that's a fantastic example of like an initial use case. Was that relationship something you already had? You already knew this, this individual? So you were able just to go to your network and find some traction? It's a great question. So Matt, my, my business partner, had been talking to Evite. And Evite was looking at the data and was like, this is really interesting. Is this something you can solve? But at the time when I joined, we didn't have a platform that could do it. So... My new CTO, who I'd been working with for 10 years, but in prior life, I said, Paul, we didn't have any other developers. And, you know, he's a CTO. He runs a big team now. At the time, we didn't have any other developers. I said, Paul, Evite loves this idea, but you have to go build this in the next two weeks to see if <laughs> it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. That's what we did. He, he cranked it out. He built the first prototype in weeks, you know, and everyone talks about their entrepreneurial journey. There are these moments where you just kind of have to go block everything else out, build something, figure out how to do it, um, break some rules along the way. And uh, I have to tell you, Richard, it started working and very few things. I know I built a lot of companies, a lot of products, very few things have worked like this right out of the gate. Yeah, that's, um, well, I guess it's uh, the, uh, what, what would you call it, the inventor's life, right? You know, you put things out, you put things out, and then you put the, the right thing out, which is, which is fantastic. Can I tell you a funny story about that? So Victor, so Victor was the CEO, of, former CEO of Evite. He was there for many years, built up the brands, and they have a, now a new CEO who's incredible as well. But Victor goes, 
I love this idea of bringing people together um, through Evite. And now there's a whole purpose component with the pledge integration, which is now it's called Evite Donations Powered by Pledge. And he goes, I want to go introduce this on stage at this big trade show that I'm keynoting. I said, that sounds great. He goes, well, it's only going to have been live for one day. Um, and James, after I give the keynote announcing this new functionality, would you come speak for a few minutes after me? And I said, sure, why not? So we had been live and it, you know, when you work with these big companies, you don't launch everything where you get 100% of their customers in day one, right? So you do a progressive launch. So we were live for less than a day across 10% of their audience, right? They wanted to make sure it was working. There wasn't any customer issues, no friction, et cetera. So I text Paul, my CTO. I'm Victor's in the middle of his keynote in Las Vegas at a big advertising show. I'm like, Paul, we're literally live on Evite's website. Only a fraction of, of the users have even seen it. Is it working? Because I'm about to go on stage and tell people about this new thing. Has anyone tried it? He goes, you would not believe this. An eight-year-old girl just set up her birthday party or her parents set up her birthday party in Wisconsin. It's one of these bounce house parties where you, know, you get the big bouncy house and whatnot. And she said, in lieu of gifts, please donate to Smile Train, which is an incredible nonprofit that funds cleft lip surgeries. Their first donation was for $1,000. Wow. And I'm like, fund multiple cleft lip surgeries with that. I'm like, this is just unbelievable. So I got to go on stage and share this story. And since then, you know, all told over $30 million has been raised on Evite alone. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to remind you that my book, Making Time for Strategy, is now available. If you want to be less busy and more successful, I highly recommend that you check it out. Why not head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com to find out the details. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah. So I love this. Like a super pragmatic way, right, of yeah, finding some people who you know already know in your inner circle who you can solve a real problem for. And then I guess that's how you got the scale so fast, right? Because you clearly couldn't go out and win over those donors one by one, right? You had to go to organizations that already had that reach. So I'm curious to dive a bit deeper in, in one of your philosophies, actually, James, because I know that you say that, I mean, this season is called business as a force for good. I know that one of the things that you say is that yeah, businesses on a mission to do good will outperform those with just good business models. So purpose-driven will actually win out over pure commercially driven. Kind of curious, like it sounds a great thing to believe, but like, why do you actually say that? You know, what's your thought process that has led you to that conclusion? So it's something that I believed intrinsically, which is why I do the work that I do, right? But the data has to prove it out. So a few years ago, there was a bunch of surveys that said this. They said things like 80% of consumers, if they're offered two different brands, one that aligns with their values and the one that does not, 80% will switch to the brand that aligns with their values. So this was all kind of hearsay 
you know, data that was out there in the marketplace. Over the last few years, we have seen this. Consumers are voting with their dollars like never before. The younger the generation, the more ingrained in the fabric of every decision they make is their values, right? Which is why you have employees who go, I will never work for that company because it doesn't align with my values. Years ago, when I'd interview folks, nobody asked about the mission. Now everyone's asking about the mission. Tell me about the mission. How do you live your, live your mission? And on the pure like revenue side of our business, one of the biggest challenges, I think, to uplifting every business and making sure that businesses go, purpose is not just a nice to have, it's a necessity, is really showing how when you actually do it the right way and not just say it, but actually live your values, you can actually build a better business. So this is something that's core to our platform now where we literally go, we have e-commerce merchants who go, all right, show us the data. And we can tell them, once you integrate a roundup and enable your customers to give back at checkout, or you launch a set of products that are mission aligned, the customers who buy those products on average will have a 50% higher lifetime value. 50% higher lifetime value. Yeah. So yeah. So here's the question. I, I think some companies, especially when they're founder-led still, are in a Easy position, easier position to really tap into what why the founder built the business in the first place. So, do you find that? Do you find that most of your kind of partners are from those kind of companies where missions be baked in at the start? There, because I think I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening, or well, some people listening, will be like, "Well, you know, that sounds great," but like the reality is, I'm just in this company that's been around for whoever knows how long, and it's be quoted, and so like. It sounds like it's going to be really impossible potentially to align around something that that's genuine, right? And it's just going to be stuck on. Do, do, do you think that is the case? That there's really two sorts of companies, like mission centric and those who are never going to get there, or do you think there is a bridge from one to the other? Just curious. It might not be your zone of expertise, but I'm kind of curious. For your no, well, we have a number of publicly traded companies that we work with, and a, a number of earlier stage companies. You're absolutely right. A lot of founder-led companies, it's just built into the DNA, right? It's it's something that's so core to who they are that they build in it from the start. And if you're, if you're a listener and you're going, how do I build it in? We always talk about this, build impact into the cost of goods sold so that it never goes away when you even become a publicly listed company. Because you've built it into the literally into the DNA of your business to add in impact. Now, when you're a publicly traded company and you're thinking about this, it might it sometimes be reactionary. It might be because of ESG reasons, or it might be because of shareholders these days going, "What are you doing about climate? Right? How are you recruiting young, talented employees who have a, the option to work anywhere?" so many companies. So the motivations might be different and they might not be founder-led at big companies, but there are a number of big companies now who, you know, I would say half the Fortune 500 have some sort of an impact and purpose because they realize it is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. It can be, some are born great, some have greatness, uh, some grow into greatness, whatever it is, and some have greatness thrust upon them. It's a bit like the same, right? Some companies are born with purpose, you know, uh, and others have purpose thrust upon them potentially, right? By 
or the needs. Yeah. And the purpose can evolve. You know what I mean? So Tom's Shoes was this great example of a company that went from, you know, a great idea to the fastest growing, I think, you know, apparel and shoe company in history when they were doing their buy one pair of shoes, give one pair of shoes. But what was really fascinating was they realized after several years of doing that, they realized that their impact wasn't as big as they wanted to achieve. So they actually changed their purpose. They stopped doing one for one shoes and realized there were certain issues that they could champion as a brand that would have even higher impact. So it can the purpose narrative can evolve depending on the stage of the company based on the products they launch, et cetera. So you don't have to stick with just one thing because companies naturally evolve and grow over time. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Let's dive into uh, what, I, what I think is one of your superpowers, um, which is spotting talent. Because we talked about how, you know, how purpose actually it does act as a magnet for talent, right? People are attracted to making a difference, right? Creating an impact. Um, and you said that as you built your own company, uh, you've, you've really focused on, on, on talent and finding the right talent. You said you started with building this great team. It's been there from the start. So... How do you do that, right? I mean, it's everyone says we need to build a great team. It's key, but I just love to know what's, you know, what are your kind of strategies for actually spotting and then you know, checking, recruiting, whatever, you know, bringing those people into the team. How do you go about that? What are your tips? It's a great question, and you know, I feel like I'm I'm grateful because I've had the privilege and opportunity to hire hundreds of people over the years, and I think the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with it. But I think very quickly, one thing that I've learned, my first interview question, usually when I meet someone new, is to ask them very, something very open-ended that has nothing to do with, tell me if you're a salesperson, what was your quota last, last year and did you hit it? You know, If you're a marketing person, give me the greatest marketing campaign you've ever launched. I want to ask an open-ended question, what are you passionate about and why? I want to understand who this person is and usually in the first 30 seconds to two minutes, when someone opens up and shares more about who they are, you're going to feel this gut in your heart about whether this person's going to be a fit for your culture, your values, if they're going to work out. And I found 90 plus percent of the time, your gut works. The resume of the past, you know, did this person go to Oxford or Cambridge do they, do they have a Harvard Business School pedigree? That stuff isn't, isn't as important as it once was. I don't know if it was as important back in the day. <laughs> oh, I'm having a heart attack. I went, I can't believe you said that, Jane. I'm completely mortified. If the, what I did 40 years ago or whatever it was, 30 years ago, is very important. How dare you? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's who we are. It is who we are, right? I mean, it is who we are. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh I mean, yeah, it's, um, well, yeah, I mean, what came to mind is that, you know, we don't get what we want, we get who we are. And it's a great point, actually, like often we, we know that, and yet and we know that like our best colleagues aren't necessarily the ones with the most technical skill set, they're the ones who are, we can work with. And yet when we come to interview for our next colleague, we still go, okay, you know, oh, your CV doesn't look quite like exactly like what we need, you know, 100%, there's something here, you know, whatever. And actually all that stuff be learned right i mean the number of people who've made huge leaps i mean 
the world's top entrepreneurs, right? They just leap from, yeah, Richard Branson, right? Leaps from sector to sector. Nobody complains that he didn't have a track record in the aviation industry for 30 years before he started Virgin Air, right? I mean, that, that, those things we put too much weight on. Completely agree. We also ask questions. We have our core values and we ask them. So tell me how, how the core value of care, how you would show care in your past or with your colleagues. And, and so when you ask questions like that, you really get to the character of, of an individual. And I've always said this, but you hire fast. And if someone's not working out, make a decision to fire fast because you're quickly, you know, finding great people is really hard and we've got great people. You got to do everything you can to create a great environment for them. And if it's not working out, it's probably not going to, it's not going to change um, typically. So have you had an example actually, James, where you've, uh, you know, you've looked at perhaps, well, I don't know, right. You looked at a, a, a resume, they look great. And then either in the interview, really immediately you're like, ah, no, it's not going to work. Alternatively, where you didn't li listen to your gut and then later on you realize this wasn't working. Oh, absolutely. My first startup, first time founder issues, this is now 10, 10 plus years ago. I had one venture capitalist who I think very highly of. His name's Mark Suster. He runs one of the biggest venture capital funds in Southern California. And he was just an informal advisor and dear friend of mine. And he said, you know what, James, when you raise your first round, a big round of capital, don't go hire that hot shot with a big resume. He said, don't do that. And I, at the time, I was a 28-year-old, first-time CEO. I raised my big round of capital. And my venture capitalist at the time, investor, said, James, you know, you're a great CEO. I love your vision, but you really need to find you know, that great partner that hotshot who's been doing all this, all this stuff for years, who has the business school degree and all that stuff. And we ended up hiring somebody uh, in a very senior role who made multiples of what I did and had a great pedigree. But within the first two weeks, it was just a total cultural misfit. He came from a very large company. He came to a company of 50 people and everyone was young and they were tech savvy and he was not. And it was just, I didn't listen to this informal advisor and listen to my VCs. And in my gut, it didn't feel like the right thing. Um, and within six months, both of us realized like, this is not going to be the right thing. So I, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I've not made that mistake. And I always talk to other entrepreneurs and founders about the same issue. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey. James, we're getting towards the end of our time here. I want to ask you a um, question I always love asking, which is, well, first of all, how is, what would it look like for Pledge to multiply your impact as a business or as an organization? Like, what's that going to look like in a few years' time when you say, wow, we've really knocked it out of the park? What does that look like for you? So that is doing one core thing. Richard, end of last year, we were digging into donation data and just trying to figure out how can we unlock much bigger impact? And we stumbled upon something that just blew our minds. 3% of every donation, at least, and sometimes it's 5 to 10%, never even makes it to a nonprofit. So all told last year, over $10 billion of donations given by individuals to US charities literally went to Visa, Amex, 
MasterCard, Bank of America, et cetera. It went to the processing as opposed to the charity, which is mind blowing to us. So we said, you know what? It's core to our mission to raise as much money as possible for nonprofits. So we are going to start paying all the credit card fees when anyone uses pledge. No one's ever done this. We've had nonprofits come to us going one, uh, a few weeks ago, just signed up with us called Mary's List. She, her organization helps refugee families. She goes, by switching to pledge, I literally can help hundreds more people coming to America with essential supplies. Refugees who have nothing because tens of thousands of dollars last year went to credit card companies. So for us, this is the newest initiative for us to go, how do we unlock a billion dollars more by paying all the credit card fees? Because a billion dollars could be 10 billion meals. It could be a billion trees. It's gigantic impact. So that's one way. I love it. I love, I love, the, uh, I love it, right? The finding this huge pot that you can go after uh, for good. I love it. How are you going to need to shift what you, how you operate as a leader? What are you going to need to work on personally if you want to be the leader that can multiply your own impact as well as you go along? What comes to mind? What's, your, what's, what's going to be the growth for you, James, in the next few years, would you say? I think it's twofold. Um, I've, I think we've got the most incredible team I've ever worked with. And I've worked with hundreds of people over the last 15, 20 years. And I think one of the greatest skills, and it's always hard for a CEO, is all about empowerment and trust. And it's something that I've, I constantly am working on to go, how do I empower all of our young leaders, whether it's you know a, a first-time employee who's just getting started to go, who's creating social media. I, here's our brand values. Here's our guidelines. Go for it. How do you share this narrative and story? The, you know, the developer who wants to build something brand new and refactor the code, go for it. You know, so I think um, part of my job is to go, how do I empower our current team? How do I continue to recruit the best possible people and empower them to be the best versions of themselves and, you know, have the most impact? Our mission is to power generosity and let them, you know, manifest that mission in, in what they do every day. Beautiful. Speaking as a, uh, speaking with a leader's heart, right? For, for your people like that. So thank you. James, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I've loved kind of diving into this, this great story, right? Of, you know, starting in your early years as a father, your shift in focus from like commercial uh, to impact, uh, and then kind of looking at how you did that, right? Starting with building your team, finding the next circle of, of key partners that you can do something with, solve their problems. Uh, and then, you know, all the way scaling up to this mission of, well, how do we unlock this 3% that's, uh, that could represent so much value to, to the broader uh, community? So I kind of love, um, love this story. And then also the really pragmatic ideas along the way of, of hiring and, and, and everything else. So it's been a lot of fun. If people want to get in touch with you or with Pledge or we find out more about what you're up to, where should they do that? So please feel free to reach out anytime. You know, Richard, my personal mission, in addition to Pledge, is just to help thousands more of your audience, you know, future entrepreneurs, current CEOs, help them have a bigger impact on the world. That's my own personal mission. 
So um, I want to help however I can. So you can find me at James Citron, C-I-T-R-O-N, James Citron at Instagram, Twitter. Feel free to reach out anytime. You can also shoot me an email, james at pledge.to. If you want to try out Pledge, please check it out. Give me feedback. Try out the platform. Go to www.pledge.to. Literally anywhere in the world, you can fundraise for 2 million nonprofits. So we'd love everyone to try it out. And uh, if there's anything they need in the impact world, we're here to help. James, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And look forward to hearing the story as it evolves. Thank you so much, Richard. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.